And in our busy worlds and in our busy lives, God is calling out, I've remembered you. Remember me. Let's open in a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us so much to remember. So much, Lord, of your goodness, of your love and your kindness to us. Lord, of victories and trials that you've brought us through. And mostly, Father, of your saving grace. Lord, we pray for the message today that that you will have us think about and focus on what it is you want for our lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your presence with us today and for this time together. In the precious name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Today, I want us to think about exactly the topic of that song. Remembering. You see, we're going to take a look at at three things. What God wants us to remember. When He wants us to remember that. And and exactly how He expects us to always remember. And you see, the Bible is filled with countless instances, countless examples of God asking us to remember. The Lord seeking to be in our memories, on our minds, in our hearts. You see, God knows how important the memory is for us as human beings. We don't know exactly what tomorrow holds in store. And sometimes we don't understand the path we're on today. But, but there's one thing we can hold on to. And it's memories, it's precedences, it's legacies. This is what we can hold on to. And, and the Bible is filled with examples of this. From, from the Old Testament urgings to remember His commands. To Jesus in the New Testament saying, do this in remembrance of me. Time and time again, he's left us. He's left us examples and instructions to remember him. Remember. Remember, we might say, he's God. How how can we forget? But we do forget. You see, between the busy lives we live in our busy worlds and, and between our busy minds and our fears and our emotions and our doubts, we forget. It happens. And in good times and in bad times, we forget. We forget God. Do you think you could ever forget being rescued from prison? Seems there's no possible way, but Deuteronomy 5.15, I want to read this. It says, this is addressed to the nation of Israel. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Remember you were slaves. Of course they remember. They were there. They lived through the time when they were taken captives. They remember the heavy hand of Pharaoh. They remember the deliverance when God sent Moses. The plagues, of course they remember. How God turned Pharaoh's heart and he said, I will let you go. Moses said, the Lord says, let my people go. God turned Pharaoh's heart. They've got to remember. Don't you think? Well, let's take a look. I want us to open to Exodus chapter 14. And the setting of this takes place right after Pharaoh says, go. I will give you your freedom. Just go. God sent the miracles of the plagues. And here Pharaoh says, go. This takes place right after that. We're going to start in verse 4. Exodus 14, verse 4. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. This is God speaking to Moses. And he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself. 
through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We've let the Israelites go and we've lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all of the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. Then the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. I love how God hardens Pharaoh's heart again, but this time to pursue, to chase down the fleeing Israelites. You see, God was positioning a miracle. God was setting something up. He wanted to give his nation, the nation of Israel, something to remember, something to build up their faith. Let's pick it up in verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. You see, just to understand the setting a little bit, there were unclimbable mountains on each of their sides. And the Egyptian army, with all of the chariots and horsemen following right behind them, and in front of them was the Red Sea. There was literally not one move, not one more step they could make on their own. I think we could say they were boxed in. But I love the story because this is where God loves to work. Verse 11. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this desert. So already they've conceded. Already they've forgotten the miracles God did to lead them out. Already they forgot their lives of slavery under Pharaoh's heavy hand. They forgot the miracles that brought them out. They forgot how they got here. And who brought them here? Verse 13. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. A bold claim. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his horsemen and his chariots. God had a plan. And, and I love how Moses doesn't question here. These were some difficult instructions. And, and I can imagine if some of us were in Moses' shoes, Lord, Lord you, you want me to do, do what now? R raise the staff uh -huh, and, and then d divide the waters. They're, they're going to split. Okay, okay, Lord. You would think he'd question, he'd doubt. But no, Moses, Moses didn't question anymore because Moses remembered. Moses remembered a landmark in his life. Moses remembered the burning bush. Moses remembered when God called him and he said, Lord, I, I can't. And God said, you can. And God proved him wrong. And, and he certainly could with God's help. 
Moses remembers the miracles in Egypt, the plagues the Lord sent, the way he turned Pharaoh's heart. Moses remembered and, and Moses' faith grew through those remembrances, through those landmarks, through bringing those to memory. Let's pick it up in verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of the chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, now stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses, again, never questioning, stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it. And the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. Remember the promise? These people you see today, you'll never see again. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. What an amazing story. We can only say, wow. As a member of that group, the, the fleeing Israelites, you witnessed what was arguably one of the greatest miracles ever recorded in human history. Your life was changed from that moment on. You saw the hand of God more directly, more visibly, more clearly, and more powerfully than at any other moment of your life. We read about it today, and as mere readers, it's something we can never forget. The parting of the Red Sea. What an amazing miracle. Imagine having been there. Imagine having walked through that dry ground with the sea on your right and on your left. You couldn't help but, but be renewed, but be inspired, be awestruck. Be resolved to a, to a deeper faith, a deeper life. You know, that should be our natural reaction to God's blessings in our lives. They should permanently change us. But let's turn just one chapter later, Exodus 15. We're looking here one chapter in the Scriptures later, taking place immediately after they stepped on to the other side. Exodus 15, verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? A few verses later, it's amazing, the Lord miraculously provides water. He has Moses throw a piece of wood into that bitter water of Marah, and he turns it into clear, pure, fresh drinking water. And later, to provide their food in the desert, he sends manna from the heavens. Another miracle. Over and over again. Turn one chapter later. Exodus 16, verse 6. 
So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumblings against him. They're still questioning. They're still complaining. Why why did we leave slavery exactly? (laughs) Moses also said, verse 8, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who, Who are we? You do not grumble against us. You grumble against the Lord. You see, the entire trip to the promised land is one long series of God's miracles followed by Israel's complaining, grumbling, doubting. And we've got to ask ourselves, what happened? What went wrong? How could they fear? How could they grumble or complain? Did they forget the miracles? Did they forget standing there in front of the Red Sea? Did they forget what God did? Did they forget those incidents that are etched into history as timeless miracles of God's love and providence? And more importantly, what we can ask ourselves is, are we today as individuals really all that different from that forgetful nation wandering the Sinai Desert? One of the first things you'll learn in in computer system design is memory. And we're not going to get very technical here. But when you study memory for computers, one of the first things you look at is the human mind and the human memory. Because you see, there's not one good thing that we as as mankind can design and, and develop and create that doesn't come and isn't inspired from God, the master designer. So when you examine the human mind, you learn that there are three types of memory. And a lot of us are familiar with these. There's sensory memory, short-term memory, and long-term memory. So so we're going to take a look at these very briefly. Sensory memory is the most superficial kind of memory. This is the briefest memory. It's stimulated by the senses. Something we see, something we smell, something we hold in our hands. And it also decays the fastest. So... As soon as the scene passes, as soon as the smell fades, we pretty much forget. I can hold up a portrait here for a few seconds and then take it away. You, you have a little image of it in your mind and then it's quickly forgotten. Anything you remember of it is stored in your short-term memory. This is the second type of memory. And this, we're told, acts as a working memory, kind of a scratch pad. It, it's also meant for short purposes. We're, we're told it decays after 200 milliseconds. And there's certain tricks we can play to increase our short-term memory. Things like chunking. This is why we have hyphens in phone numbers. Because it's much easier to remember blocks of information than a long uh, a string of ten digits. And we also learn that there's things called disturbances that affect our short-term memory. This is why if you're trying to remember a number, 43672, 43672, 43672, somebody comes up and says 7981, Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I was thinking of, of a number. Disturbances. And finally, there's the long-term memory. And this is meant for permanent retention of information. And, and this is meant for a long period of time. This is the most valuable kind of memory. And unlike working memory, there's little decay. And it's important to note how we get things into our long-term memory. It's by the process of repetition. This is what memorization is for. When you're memorizing something, what do you do? You process that information. You go over it. 
You repeat it. You think about it. You revisit it. This is how you get things into your long-term memory. Okay, lesson over. So we might say that the nation of Israel had pretty okay short-term memory, but really bad long-term memory. See, they initially praised and thanked God. We read it at the end of chapter 14, verse 31. said, The Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians. And then they feared the Lord. And they put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. So all is good. We're trusting God right now. But we're not going to do anything to revisit this memory. We're not going to do anything to reprocess this. What's next? All is good. This is wonderful. Life is good. We're trusting God. There's Moses. There's our leader. He's going to take us on through. But one chapter later, we have no water. We have no hope, no trust, no faith. It's all over. Should have stayed in Egypt. Friends, that's what we refer to as poor long-term memory. No memory of what God had done just, just a little while ago. No memory of what He already brought us through. No memory of our lives as slaves and captives in a foreign land. And sadly, as imperfect human beings, we, we all have these breaking points. We all have areas in our lives, areas of discomfort that, well, what do they do? They throw off our trust. They break our faith. They mess with our memory of exactly how things happened. What God has done in our lives. For the nation of Israel, it was, it was physical discomfort, right? You take away their water or their shade, faith flies out the window. For you, what is it today? Is it financial discomfort? When the funds are low, when the budget is tight, our hopes sink. Our faith in God falters. And we completely forget His past deliverances. Is it emotional discomfort? Do we fill our minds with so many fears of what might or might not happen in our lives? Do, do we kind of fill in the blanks for our future? And in so doing, we, we fall to depths of, of despair and depression and apathy and faithlessness. How about other influences in our lives? Friends. Do we have friends or do we keep company with, with those in our lives who turn our hearts and our faith away from God? What is it in your life today that causes you to forget God? To forget what He's done? And when did it happen? When did life get so difficult that, that you forgot God? When did things get so bad that, that you forgot God? When did you become so busy, so distracted or disillusioned or jaded? When did you become so successful that you forgot God? Yes, sadly for many, that point is prosperity, the good times. You see, we can remember God when we're at the end of our ropes, when there's not one more step we can take on our own, when we've tried every solution. We can remember God in those times, but, but in the good times, when things are going well, when the job is smooth, when the friends are plentiful, when the vacations are on the horizon, when the funds are flowing, oh, what do we do? We put God on the back burner of our lives. Don't need you right now. Things are going well. I don't need to remember. You see, it isn't simply God urging us to remember Him 
And remember what he's done in our lives as an encouragement in difficult times. It's also a reminder in the good times and in the bad. A reminder of our responsibilities. A reminder throughout every day of our lives of how he wants us to live. The priorities he wants us to have. So this brings us to the first point. What is it exactly that God wants us to remember? And the short answer is he wants us to remember him. He wants us to remember the love he had for us while we lived our lives caring absolutely nothing for him. He wants us to remember that he sent his only son, his only son to be born into this world, to die on Calvary's cross as our substitute. He wants us to remember that he offered us the free gift of salvation simply by accepting and receiving his son as our savior. He wants us to remember what he brought us out of and what he brought us into. He wants us to remember those first days of our early Christian walk. Do you remember? When he encouraged us. When he sent us blessings. When he drew us closer and closer to him. Slowly strengthening us to walk. He wants us to remember those battles. Those trials. Those struggles he brought us through. Those things we thought were impossible that he made possible. He wants us to remember the blessings of our lives. Not so much for the blessings themselves, but for the source of those blessings. The giver. He's the source of every good and perfect thing. He wants us to remember those times when, when we obeyed Him and He blessed us. And He also wants us to remember those times when, when we disobeyed Him and found nothing but heartache and pain. Lessons learned. He wants us to remember. He wants us to remember that our eternal home is with Him. That's where He wants us to be. That our lives are but a breath, a vapor. He wants us to live to tell others the good news. To live like we mean it and make every day count for Him. That's what He wants us to remember. So ask yourself today, do you have landmarks in your life? Landmarks in your life with God. We read about several of those landmark moments in Israel's history. But how about you? Do you have points in your life when, when God met you in your time of need? Well, they're not necessarily monumental in scope, but they're monumental to you. It may have been in your, in your loneliness and despair. He came and filled the empty spaces of your heart, brought you joy, brought you peace, brought you contentment. That time when you didn't have the money to make ends meet. But he found a way to meet your needs, no matter how small. That time in, in your Christian walk when he helped you to overcome. To overcome an addiction. To overcome a habit, an attitude, a behavior. That time when, when you stepped out in faith and looked to him to guide you, and he did. That relationship that was so broken, you didn't know what to do. You looked to him for help and he mended it. You see, these are landmark moments in our lives. These are memories that we hold on to, we must hold on to, and ponder, and renew, and process in our minds, because that's how our faith grows. We trust God more for the future, because we remember what He's done in our past. We remember, and we're inspired to trust Him more, to stretch out our faith, and to dive even deeper with Him. You see, everything God desires for us to remember 
should already be on our hearts and minds daily. And if you're here today and this is a foreign concept to you, you don't remember, you don't have that landmark in your life when you placed the stake in the ground and you said, I choose Christ. When you accepted Him as your personal Savior, when you received Him, don't wait another day. Don't wait another hour. Make that decision today and begin to experience true joy, true happiness, real contentment, something that lasts forever. You can know that your security, you have a security of your future. It's with Him. You don't have to fear anymore. You don't have to look anymore. You don't have to search. So, it becomes apparent from what God wants us to remember the answer to when He wants us to remember in every situation and circumstance of our life. You see, it isn't enough to remember God only in the deep valleys of our lives, just like it isn't enough to remember Him only on the mountaintop highs. You see, a constant remembrance of what God has done in our lives and for us inspires us with a certain kind of behavior. It inspires us to live a certain kind of life, doesn't it? It inspires us to live with God as a priority in our lives. It inspires us to want to serve Him and His people first and foremost. It inspires us to take a life and live that life which takes stands for Him. A life where our actions, our words, our thoughts and our behaviors match our beliefs. So yeah, the short answer is when does He want us to remember? Always. And everywhere, that's when we're to remember. And moreover, that's when we're to live. To live like we remember. In our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, with our family, with our friends, with our co-workers, on Sunday morning, on Saturday night, and every day throughout the week. Remember Him. And let us live our lives in light of that memory. Remember who you are. You're a child of the King. Redeemed ransomed, sanctified. Live that way. Live so your stands are so obvious to everyone around. Remember Him. And the last point is, how exactly does God expect us to remember? To always be able to draw those memories in our minds. I know our lives can be so busy. Our worlds are so busy. There's so much that fills our minds, that fills the minutes of our day. How exactly can we remember? This month marks the third anniversary of the tragic terrorist attack on our nation. September 11, 2001. A day we'll never forget. So of course we remember that day. But, but as the months pass and as the years pass, time has a way of kind of making memories fade. We may still remember, and we certainly do, but you see, it's not with the same initial vividness it's not with the same intensity and certainly not with the same emotions that we first felt. Time has a way of dulling the memory and emotions. So, so if we forget something like that, how exactly can we remember what it is God wants us to remember? How can we remember those landmarks and responsibilities? Well, remember we talked about that long-term memory? How do we get things into our long-term memory? through the process of repetition, through processing that, through dwelling upon it, revisiting those landmarks, spending time on those landmarks. 
When we spend time dwelling upon what God has done for us, who he is, who we are, and how he expects us to live. When we spend time in his word reviewing those landmarks he left for us in the scriptures. And when we spend time in thought and prayer and thanksgiving to him for the landmarks we have in our own lives. Something happens when we continually process and think on those things. They become etched, etched in our hearts, on our minds permanently. And something else happens. That's how our faith gets built up. So that's how we remember. We make a deliberate and explicit determination. We make an explicit effort to remember. You may have heard the, uh, the saying, take time to remember. And that seems kind of odd. Well, remembering doesn't take time. You either do or you don't. You either remember or you don't. There's no time involved in remembering, uh, but there is. You see, we have to scope out time that we take to, to devote to remembering. That's what quiet time with the Lord should produce. That's what prayer should build up. These are daily reminders to us as forgetful human beings. We're reminded and something else happens. We're renewed. We're encouraged. We're inspired. And through the process, we're etching God, His principles, His miracles, His blessings to us, and His desire for our lives into our hearts and on our minds. So today I want us to ask ourselves, am I remembering God in my life? Do my actions, my words, my thoughts, do my attitudes and behaviors reflect the life of someone who truly remembers, who truly remembers what God has done for them and how He expects us to live in light of that memory? This is where the nation of Israel faltered. You see, they had that initial memory where they recognized God's goodness. They recognized God's providence, His miracle. His blessings, but, but they never took time to remember, to etch those blessings and those lessons into their hearts and minds. The surrounding disturbances were too much for them, and it took them in. The discomforts were too much for them. So today, ask yourself, what's holding you back? What are those disturbances in your life that are keeping you away from God? And whatever they are, are they worth it? Are they worth the worry? Are they worth the despair? Are they worth the loneliness? No. Whatever they are, cast them aside. God wants so much more for your life. God wants to give you so much more. Scriptures tell us in Him is life and life more abundantly. He wants that abundant life for each and every one of us. If we just remember. Remember Him. So I don't know what your situation is today. I don't know the circumstances of, of each one of your lives and, and exactly where you're at. But God has the same advice for each and every one of us. Remember me. I've remembered you. Remember me. In that physical ailment, when every medical opinion, every medical option seems to leave you no hope, God is calling out, remember me. In that trial you're walking through, 
when it seems so dark and, and no one can exactly understand what you're going through. God is there. He's calling out, hey, remember me. In times of triumph and celebration, in the joy of receiving blessing after blessing after blessing in your life, God is calling out, remember me. If you've spent your life apart from God, having never received His free offer of salvation, and you've searched for love, you've searched for, for hope, for contentment, just, just a little peace in your life, something that can last, but you've come up empty-handed and broken-hearted, God is there, and He's calling out, remember me. And today, as you fill your lives and your children's lives, with activities and pursuits and dreams and goals, God is calling out, remember me. In your quest for financial gain, for prosperity, for status, in your emotional battles, in your relationship struggles, in times of storm and in times of calm, God is calling out, remember me. In the energy and efforts of our youth, Young people, God is calling out, remember me. And as the days of our lives ebb away, as the years pass by and the day begins to fade, God is still there calling out, remember me. Don't let this moment pass. Don't let this moment pass without pledging to remember. With a genuine heart, today let's go back. Let's revisit Take stock, remember, and renew. Let's close in prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, help us to remember. Help us at every point and at every turn in our lives to remember You. Help us to remember, Lord, the landmarks in our lives where You've met us, the blessings in our lives which You've given us and the eternal security which you've offered to us and secured for us through your Son. Father, help us to remember the way you want us to live, the choices you want us to make. Help us to make you a priority in our lives, to live lives that truly honor and glorify you. Father, we are so thankful that we truly have so much to remember. And as we depart now, we pledge to make it our daily commitment to step back, to spend time with you in remembrance and renewal. We love you and we offer our thanks. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.